Welcome to Putting the Real in Real Estate with Dave Nimick, the podcast where we work with real estate enthusiasts to share the unfiltered truth and the reality of real estate. Now our host, Dave. You're listening to Putting the Real in Real Estate. This is Dave Nimick. And I will admit, I am thoroughly enjoying doing this podcast and sharing my opinion on real estate. And this topic is probably one of the things I enjoy talking about most, whether it's with other agents or clients or what have you. And that topic is what sells a home and what doesn't. So let's get into it. So first, I want to clarify what I mean by selling. I'm not talking about the marketing of a home. What I'm talking about is doing what's necessary to actually to get the home to sell to a buyer who is interested in buying it. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how long it takes for a buyer to get their first impression of a home, what does not have an effect on whether a home will sell, and what does cause the home to sell more quickly or to have a toil on the market. So we've all heard the saying, never get a second chance to make a first impression. Question is, as far as buyers looking at a home, How long does it normally take them to make a decision on whether they like it or not? And I'm not talking about in-person, although that is certainly part of it. I'm talking about just online. If they're looking at it on their computer, on their app, whatever, seven to 10 seconds is pretty much the, uh, the ballpark it takes for a buyer to decide that kind of makes the cut or it doesn't. All right. And this is not even seeing it in person. Basically, the virtual tour and the photos that represent the home have become the first showing and going to see it in person is almost indirectly a second showing, although it does give more of the five cents appeal for a buyer when they actually see it in person. So let's dive headfirst into this, talk about what does not cause a home to sell, okay? First is slick marketing, and that can take several different kind of approaches. One, let's say, is magazine ads. We have magazines in Chicago area. One is called Chicago Social. Another one is called Sheridan Road for the North Shore suburbs. And these are very slick, very polished magazines. And every other page in them, including usually the front and back page and the center pages, all the, you know, kind of the highest trafficked pages are usually realtors. And sometimes they're advertising a home for sale. Sometimes they're just advertising themselves. Bottom line, agents are the ones that are paying for those ads and they're advertising themselves. They're looking to brand themselves to the people that read those magazines on a regular basis. So if you are one of those people that looks at those types of magazines, because they exist everywhere around the US, take a look and see if you're seeing the same agent over and over and over again, because they often put themselves in those magazines numerous times, what they want to do is make the impression that you associate them with high-end branding. You're not going to remember 123 Main Street that was advertised in there six months ago, but they're hoping you're going to remember you and they're willing to pay that. The agents are the ones that pay that money almost always to be in those magazines. So social media certainly comes to play here where social media posts, which are just an agent posting to their own personal page or business page or neighborhood page, what have you, they want to show the world their new listing. Just say, hey, I'm out there. I'm you know, making things happen. But that type of thing does not directly help a home sell. I'm just telling you right now. And similar to social media posts, the social media ads. So this is 
more to do with an agent advertising a listing more as bait. They're advertising people that they don't necessarily know as opposed to their social media posts to people that do know them. The ads are, take a look at this home, get more details. And essentially they want people to click on it, log in, whatever. Facebook specifically allows for whoever's clicking their information to pretty much automatically be given to the person advertising. So then they're able to look at the property, whatever. Basically, the listing is being used as bait to get someone to click on it. Local newspapers is another, obviously there aren't as many newspapers as there used to be. This is similar to magazine ads where agents or brokerages, but agents tend to advertise in these things on a repetitive basis. So then they want to become known as an expert in the area that they're advertising in. It doesn't actually help a home sell. Postcards, guess what? Wash, rinse, repeat. This is all the same thing. Agents, this is like the oldest trick in the book where agents send out postcards and they have whatever information, here's the monthly stats, but they send it out once a month. Then they go from not being known, say, in a neighborhood to after they send 12 of these, when someone sees it, they're like, God, I see this agent's name everywhere. Guess what? That's the agent advertising themselves. Never has anyone remembered like, yeah, nine months ago, he was advertising that place over on Pine Street. No one who receives these postcards and pays attention to them remembers an address that was sent to them months ago. What they do remember is the agent who's sending it, okay? Even for sale signs, everyone thinks for sale signs drives actual business. The only person that benefits from a for sale sign is an agent in the off chance that someone contacts them from the for sale sign and they can turn that person into another client. But the sign, the existence of the sign itself does not help the home sell. And adding more to the list, so different things. Another thing that does not help a home sell is an agent's brokerage. So there's all sorts of different brokerages out there, good ones, bad ones, mediocre ones, whatever. But the brokerage that an agent is affiliated with does not directly help any home sell, okay? Neither does an agent's designation. I have one of these, GRE, Graduate Realtors Institute. There's other ones, accredited buyer representative, you know, and they do do training for the agents. I did 90 hours of graduate realtor institute training. Has it helped me sell a single home? No. So none of that matters. Even the size of an agent's team. And I'm going to give you one of the dirty little secrets in real estate, which is oftentimes, especially in recent years, an agent will advertise, here's my big team. And they have, let's say, five agents on the team, right? All those other four other agents are also advertising to other people that they're the lead of their team. But guess who's in that? The same five people. Each of those five agents advertise to five, their own five groups of friends that they have their own team, right? So it looks like five different teams. The brokerage looks like they have all these teams and really successful agents. But guess what? There's only five agents on this team and it's being advertised as five different teams. It annoys me personally, but it does happen. And there isn't any hierarchy. Usually when there's a true real estate team, one agent leads the team, then there's other agents who work under that one person, but it's not advertised to all of their databases, making it look like each one of them individually runs this team. So it's 
just be aware of that and take a look honestly because you may be able to see this in some advertising where everyone's advertising that they have a team but there's only this one group of five people that are acting like there's five different teams so finishing the thought on what does not cause a home to sell is something that pretty much only affects a small percentage of the overall markets in the u.s it does come into play here in chicago but generally, of all the markets in the U.S., it's maybe only about 2% nationwide from what I understand. And that is listing agent accompanied showings where the agent representing the seller is also at the showing. Those markets are part of Chicago. Not every listing is sold that way, but they do occur sometimes in some urban areas of Boston, San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York. And of course, you've seen these on reality TV as well because it makes for better tv when the agents are all there standing facing each other nonetheless i put this down as both a yes and a no but let's dig into detail as to why it can or oftentimes cannot be helpful in the selling of a home so every seller thinks that their home has some special features it's totally natural because it's subjective it's their home where they've lived but the question is are those features truly unique and sometimes they can be, but it really depends on the reason. Let's go through some of that. One extra square foot of quartz countertops in the kitchen compared to the neighbors is not a unique feature that makes it mandatory that an agent shows it. However, a room hidden by a bookcase that requires some help to open and access, that would be something that, that would. A regular walk-in closet off a bedroom, not needed at all. However, if the walk-in closet has a hidden safe that you want to get a look at, then that would be a much better idea. Looking at it, and again, this is a local reference, a two-bed, two-bath condo in Lincoln Park, which is a popular neighborhood here, that does not necessarily require an in-person showing. Single-family home in a big subdivision or any unit in a high-rise building, certainly, any home where there tends to be at least three or more readily available comps that are really good for determining the overall value, most people would say that the home in and of itself is not considered necessarily unique. And with those bread and butter type homes where there's a, a lot of comps that, that help define the value, having an agent at the home flapping their gums about the property when the buyers themselves have seen several other homes that look just like this and all they want to do is take a look at it, kind of get a vibe for it, then that chatter that the listing agent is adding to the conversation is actually very often detrimental to the process and does not, it not only doesn't help sell the home, it hurts the sale of the home. So flipping the script, there are certain situations where it definitely is beneficial for the listing agent to be at the property whenever possible. If it's a multi-million dollar single family home with a ton of intricate features, that is the type of thing that just would likely be overlooked by a buyer. And that's the type of thing where an agent can really help with that. Also, homes that really don't have any comps where you just cannot really determine exactly where the value is, that type of thing is where an agent can be helpful in describing those things beyond what they may put in the listing description, et cetera but something where you really have to see it in order to understand it and believe it. Another one, and I use this as, a, as an example because it's a home I recently sold, is a home that's in the Chicago West Loop neighborhood. 
So it's surrounded. It's kind of the foodie neighborhood in Chicago. The McDonald's world headquarters are right across the street. Google is located close by. It truly is kind of a one of a kind home. 28 foot ceilings. The kitchen of this condo was one of the two original biscuit baking ovens from the Nabisco factory in 1900. And a lot of other really painstaking details that my clients kind of curated over a decade and really made this a phenomenal home. So that is the type of situation where if possible, it's great to have an agent there. Now to that point though, I was not able to attend the showing where the buyer who was actually now under contract to buy the home saw it. And guess what? They were still able to get in. They could still turn on the lights all by themselves and they could see the dramatic 28 foot ceilings and the details that my clients had put together that I did have information on, even though I wasn't there, I had information waiting for them. But nonetheless, it was something where the showing could still occur. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there, but the showing could still occur. The buyer still liked it and the buyer still offered and purchased the home. And some agents in the markets that I mentioned swear by the fact that the listing agent should be there all the time, no matter what the situation. But is an agent's value based on their ability to open a door and turn lights on? Seriously? Or is it their ability to read the market, know the home's features and potential challenges and how to maximize the overall market value? I want you to take a minute and really think about this. What is the difference in the vibe between when a listing agent who represents a seller is there watching your every move versus when you as a buyer are alone with your agent and you're able to walk through the place at your own pace and honestly speak openly about the home, talk about what you like and don't like and whatever. But that's a totally different thing than if the agent who doesn't represent you, but represents the seller is there eyeing you like a hawk trying to hear anything that you have to say about the property for whose benefit. Let me tell you this, it ain't going to be your benefit if you divulge anything about how much you like the place. So again, I want to preface this with if there are a lot of the type of home that you're looking for, if it's in a subdivision where there's literally five floor plans and there's 300 homes, right? We don't have much of this situation in Chicago, but if that's a situation then it's pretty much like people understand what the layout is about most of the places. And it's just kind of like, do we like this home or don't we? Same thing with condos. If there's a lot of this type of home and they, they're going out, buyers are looking at five or six homes in an afternoon, they're going to have a feel for what a two bedroom, two bath looks like. And is this the one? Is this what appeals to them? Do they like the block, all of that thing. I mean, is it really a situation where only the listing agent can personally deliver exceptionally eloquent wordsmithing where otherwise uninterested buyers would somehow fall in love with a place because the listing agent's perfect blend of adjective descriptions and inflection? Seriously, is that what's going to make the difference? Come on. People can tell the difference between granite and formica without a guided tour. If I had a nickel for every time I heard, here's the kitchen. Oh, and this is the bathroom. Well, thanks so much. It's so great that you're here because we never would have been able to tell the difference between a sink and a toilet. Thanks. Forgive my uh, sarcasm here, but oftentimes agents can really go off the deep end. The ones that really believe that, uh, that their descriptions are what is going to make or break the sale of a home. And kitchens are obviously a focal point of a home. A friend of mine, fellow agent, his name is John. And I first he heard him say this where it's like, did you know that these cabinets speak French? Well, unless you actually have French speaking cabinets, the cabinets are there for one purpose. 
They're there to hold plates and glassware and look nice in the kitchen, but everybody has cabinets in the kitchen. So unless they literally speak a foreign language, you don't need to spend a lot of time describing what they are. So here's what I recommend. Focus on the vibe. If you're a buyer and you're looking at homes and you're in uh, one of these areas that does utilize listing agents showing the home, just remember they are there watching your every move and listening for anything that you may say. And they represent the seller who, if you do like the home, certainly don't show it. Their job is to get their client the best deal. So if you divulge anything to them about how much you like the place, you're costing yourself money. Versus when you and your agent are in a home alone, you're able to walk through it at your own pace and you're able to talk openly. And if you don't like the place, is an agent who is there going to all of a sudden talk you into being more comfortable and loving the home? No. To go through this in a little more detail, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. So I had clients who were looking at the condos in Chicago about 15 years ago, and there were two that they really liked. Like It was narrowing down to these two that they had seen before. So we were going back for second showings, right? First one was agent accompanied. So the agent followed us room to room, essentially talking most of the time throughout each room and throughout the hallway and never giving us time and space to kind of view and talk through the home on our own. And this was for a second showing. We'd already seen the home once and they still felt the need to kind of keep talking and following us around. Now, the second one we looked at did not have the agent there. This was a second showing, but the agent was not there. They hadn't been there the first time. They weren't there the second time we looked at it. That one, we took our time, checked out every room for as long as we liked, and spoke openly about what my clients liked and didn't like about the place. There's also a caveat here where they also had their, their grandmother's antique dining room table. And if it didn't fit, like that was going to be a deal killer. And this was before kind of digital measures, right? So my clients would take out a tape measure and physically measure the dining room to make sure that it physically fit the space. Okay. Now let's just think about this. If there's a listing agent there and listing agent sees you take out measuring tape to check a space, who do you think that's going to benefit? They know that there's enough interest. If you didn't care about the place, you wouldn't be doing this. So there is a heightened level of interest. The listing agent who sees you doing this is going to be saying, all right, well, I think we got a live one. So that is something where it just, it is detrimental oftentimes for you as a buyer in this situation. So the moral of the story is, guess which one my clients ended up buying? You got it. The one where the agent was not there. And guess which one sat on the market for several months before selling? Ding, ding. The one where the listing agent was present. So I have another example. This is where I was the listing agent. This was over a decade ago where I would ask, and I still do, I asked to be there for second showings on my listings, just in the event that I can help answer questions. I definitely stay out of the way, but I did ask and they said, sure, why don't you be there? So the buyer was a single woman who had brought her entire family to check out the condo. And this was a smallish two bedroom, two bath condo. And by the time I'd even kind of opened the door and turned on the lights, it was two minutes into the showing. This woman said, you know what? I think I'm good. I think I've seen enough. And I'm like, I, we barely got here, you know, and I could tell she was a little uneasy and whatever. So 
I said, you know what? I'll go step outside and just take your time, whatever. Just take as long as you need. 45 minutes later, they come out. Okay. She'd said they'd be done in two. 45 minutes later, they come out. And an hour after that, they sent over an offer, which was accepted. And this woman ended up buying the place. That's what happens. So second showings aren't always possible, especially in hot markets, such as the, the one we've been coming out of. But I do ask to be there whenever possible. And you know what I hear 99.9% of the time? You know what? No, thanks. We're good. We'll let you know if there are any questions, but we'll be fine on our own. So by now you've gotten the idea that I'm not a huge fan of listing agents being at the property if they're not bringing a lot of value, right? It, this is an emotional experience for a buyer to go through. They like to be able to talk with their agent who is their advocate, but the dynamic when a listing agent is there is oftentimes not beneficial. Now, when I'm a listing agent and I am accompanying the property, even for these one-of-a-kind properties, here's how I handle it. I give a as brief as possible, but detailed review of the home, usually shortly after entering the home. So they know what to expect in the different areas. But the last thing I want to do is follow them around and kind of talk through everything point by point and not let them have their own time, right? Because I'm smart enough to understand that I'm not going to convince someone to buy a home. Like it's tough to do that for a loaf of bread, much less a home. Listing agent, regardless of how eloquent they are and whatever words come out of their mouth, a buyer is going to decide whether they like the home without the agent for the seller telling them that they should buy it, right? It's something that the buyer is going to decide on their own. So if a listing agent can succinctly explain all of the unique positive benefits of the home and then stay out of their hair and stay, you know, even go outside or stay where they're out of earshot because buyers understand and know that someone else is listening when this situation is coming up and it's not helping. It's not helping the seller. It's not helping anyone. The buyer wants to feel comfortable. And another saying that a friend of mine who's an agent, Anne, I first heard her say this, which is feature puking. And that is something where an agent will just kind of like nonstop, just keep talking, following the buyers and their agent around and just kind of like, oh, there's this and there's that and whatever. And it's just like, can you just stop talking and just go over there, just stay in the corner? We understand what granite is. We understand that it's a two bed, two bath. We can walk through here. We don't necessarily need every last sentence of commentary. And certainly, admittedly, I do have pretty strong feelings about this. Sometimes agents will defend you know, these types of showings saying, well, what about feedback? Or sellers may think, well, what about feedback? We need to get feedback from the buyer. You know what happens? Essentially, every single in-person showing when it finishes up, the listing agent will say, so what'd you think of the place? And the buyers invariably will say, it's nice. You want to know why they say it? And they say it that way because it's non-confrontational, it's vanilla, and it's vague. And they may not be able to stand the place. Like they can't wait to get out, but they're still going to say it's nice just to be kind of like congenial and move on. So feedback is not a good argument. Another argument that, that sellers in the markets that allow listing agents give is what about security? Like, 
God forbid, you know, who's going to be there in our home? The lockbox codes, or let's say it's through a door staff, you know, they, the keys are not given out to random people. If there's a lockbox, a licensed agent has to prove who they are before they're given a code to a lockbox. I've been doing this over 20 years. Personally, I've never known of a situation where something got stolen from a home. Now, you don't want to be dumb as sellers and leave money laying out, but you don't want to do that whether me as the listing agent is there or not, because those things can still happen either way. But nonetheless, the overall security, 98% of homes in the US sell via lockbox or unaccompanied non-listing agent accompanied showings. And it's a process that has worked every year and will continue to work. So you've heard me talk about the benefits of when it's good to have a listing agent there at a showing. And you've also heard me talk about why it's often beneficial and most likely beneficial not to have a listing agent there. And maybe you don't believe me, some agents in Chicago who represent sellers feel that they should always be there and it won't sell without them. And maybe you even feel that way, or some people do. Most people don't. And if you don't believe me, you can check my stats. I don't want to sound arrogant, but my days on market is lower than most of the agents in our MLS year after year. My listings spend less time on the market. My sales to list ratio also happens to be very, very high and one of the highest in our MLS. And that tends to net my clients more money. The third thing that I'll bring up is that there's a client satisfaction award that I've received 12 years running now. So this is something where I'm not just trying to get, you know, the quick sale and whatever, and my clients are unhappy. Like this award has been given 12 years and I've received it all 12 years. I've been very fortunate to receive it. There's 50,000 roughly agents in RMLS and 86 agents have received that award all 12 years. So what I'm saying is that I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. I have spent a lot of time thinking about this. It's important for you to think about it, both as a buyer and as a seller, as to whether it's a benefit or not to actually getting a home sold. Okay, so let's move on to what does cause a home to sell. First, staging. This does not mean you clear out all of your current furniture and have to pay someone to bring in their own, but it does mean what the furniture is, meaning 50-year-old couch is not necessarily going to help things. So what type of furniture it is, where it's situated, and how large and inviting it makes the home feel. That's what it means. So it doesn't mean you have to rent furniture. It can be your own, but it needs to be helpful in the process and not hurt and make the place look smaller, right? Beds made, towels tastefully set in the bathrooms, etc. All of that plays a part in staging. And one of the things I do for all of my clients that I'm helping sell the home is I do a staging consultation and walk through the home to show exactly how every single room can look immaculate because it's a five cents appeal. You don't have a second chance to make a first impression and you want it to look awesome. So I do do a consultation with all of my clients. Another thing is the condition. So this has to do with how does the paint look? You know, is it freshly painted or is it pretty drab and, you know, a lot of scuff marks? Are the floors worn? Are they gleaming and shining bright? All of the things about the condition of the home are the appliances 25 years old. 
You know, have they been clean? Are they looking nice? All of that is important. Then certainly accurate photos. And I'm marketing, certainly this ties in with the marketing aspect, but accurate photos, like everyone's fallen prey to the kind of the fisheye real estate photos where the home looks a lot bigger or a room looks a lot bigger than it actually was, right? Buyers want to be able to see, and this is where floor plans and what's called Matterport, if you've heard of uh, Matterport, it is kind of like, it makes it like Google Maps for homes. It's really beneficial. Buyers want to be able to see that. They want to have an idea of what it really looks like without before they actually go into the home, right? So exposure of the home is another way that the home gets sold, helping the home sell. This does not mean marketing. I talked a bit earlier about what real estate marketing was. This has to do almost exclusively with putting it in the MLS, right? I had a previous episode about pocket listings, and sometimes there's benefits to doing that. But generally, putting it in the MLS is where Zillow gets fed properties. It's where Redfin and Realtor.com and all the other popular sites and apps that people use. Almost all that information is coming directly from the MLS. So the MLS is the most important single way to get exposure of the home. Last but not least, certainly is the single most important, and all these other things are tied into it, okay? That is price. Pricing the home is without exception, and I don't care if you're in San Diego, Miami, Tuscaloosa, or Columbus, Ohio, pricing the home is always going to be specific to the benefits of that specific home, where it's located, of course, location, location, location. But what does it have? All the other aspects are kind of baked into the price. So if the home is staged well, it's in good condition, and it's priced well, taking all the things into consideration, I mean, no home is absolutely perfect. But if all of the aspects, good and bad, are taken into consideration, and that's baked into the most appropriate price for that home, generally quick, positive responses are forthcoming. And that's what has helped my clients sell homes for higher sale to list ratio and in a shorter period of time. Have you ever heard the term buying the listing? I'm guessing you probably haven't since it's pretty much a realtor inside term. It basically is when an agent says that your home is worth more than the actual going likely market value of the home is. Why do they do that? Because they want to get the listing. Maybe you've talked to more than one agent and you're going to go with whoever tells you they'll sell it for the most. Don't fall prey to that. An agent's value comes to where they can interpret the market and then effectively communicate it to their clients. You, the, I can't emphasize this strongly enough. You want to go with an agent who will tell you what you need to hear, not necessarily just what you want to hear, right? You want them to be able to back up what they're saying. But the reality is, is like interpreting the market. We're in a, this is summer of 2022. We're coming off record couple of years. But the market is definitely changing. Things are slowing. Is your agent aware of this? Or do they know why things are slowing? Do they see how differently things are from where they were a couple of months ago? Do they know the best way to write the ship and how you will sell for the most money and what that quote unquote most money means in a changing market? These are all things that you want to look for in an agent and not just say, okay, whoever will sell it for the most, because guess what? If they promise they'll sell it for the most, but they can't really interpret the market, 
I'm willing to bet they're not going to actually help you sell it for the most. You probably would have been able to sell it for more money through another agent who was a better interpreter of the market, but didn't just tell you what you wanted to hear. They told you more of what you needed to hear. So to finish the thought on what causes a home to sell and what doesn't, we all are hopeful that it's going to be a magic bullet or there's some super cool reason why a home sells. And the reality is it's pretty boring. It comes down to pricing a home well, staging it well, having it in the best condition possible, and working with an agent who understands the market, understands that things may be changing. I mean, you want an agent who really has been there before, who understands and hasn't just seen an up market or just a down market. They've seen all the different markets you want. And I use this guy oftentimes when I'm telling stories, Sully Sullenberger, the famous airline pilot who landed a plane in the Hudson River and everyone survived. Why? Because the dude had 30 years experience and he was outstanding at what he did. That's the type of agent you want to have. And sometimes they'll tell you exactly what you want to hear because the market's great. Sometimes they may not. You want to listen to what an agent has to say. And if they're just kind of like telling you what you want to hear to buy the listing, don't necessarily fall prey to it because what you want is for the home to sell for the least amount of headaches in the shortest period of time and for the most money in the best terms. And someone who's promising you the world may end up getting the home sold for a lot less money and a lot more headaches than you bargained for. So thanks for listening. This is Dave Nimick. I'm an active agent in the Chicago area. And stay tuned for another episode of Putting the Real in Real Estate. Thank you for listening to Putting the Real in Real Estate with Dave Nimick. Make sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss an episode. You can find our guest contact information and real estate resources in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode of Putting the Real in Real Estate.